باب قول الله تعالى The statement of Allah the exalted ذلك لمن لم يكن أهله حاضر المسجد الحرام That is for anyone whose family does not live near al-masjid al-haram. Here, we learn one more thing about Hajj Tamattur, which is that Hajj Tamattur is only for the non-residents of Mecca. Non-residents. Why? Because in Surah Al-Baqarah, verse 196, basically we learn that فَمَنْ تَمَتَّعَ بِالْعُمْرَةِ إِلَى الْحَجِّ فَمَسْتَيْسَرَ مِنَ الْهَدِي that whoever does Hajj Tamattur, then they have to offer a sacrifice. With sacrifice, whatever is possible for them. فَمَنْ لَمْ يَجِدْ فَصِيَامُ ثَلَاثَةِ أَيَّامٍ فِي الْحَجِّ وَسَبَعَةٍ إِذَا رَجَعْتُمْ And whoever is not able to offer a sacrifice, why? Because either they cannot afford it, or they cannot find an animal. Then this person, what they have to do is they have to fast. Fast for three days during the days of Hajj and seven days later on, on returning home. And inshallah we'll discuss the details of that. Tilka عَشَرَةٌ kamila. This is a complete ten days. ذَلِكَ لِمَنْ لَمْ يَكُنْ أَهْلُهُ حَاضِرِ الْمَسْجِدِ الْحَرَامِ And this, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, is for who? For the person whose family is not living in Masjid al-Haram. So basically, where Hajj Tamattur is mentioned, it is made clear that this is only for who? For the non-residents. So remember that Hajj Tamattur, to do Hajj Tamattur, basically there are three conditions. What are those three conditions? That first of all, you are combining Umrah and Hajj in one trip, in a single trip. In the months of Hajj. Secondly, you're performing Umrah before Hajj. And the third condition is that you cannot be an inhabitant of Mecca. You cannot be a resident of Mecca. So the people of Mecca basically do not do Hajj Tamattu. However, if a resident of Mecca is coming from Medina, you understand? They were gone to Medina or they were gone somewhere else. Okay, and now as they're returning home, okay, it's the time of Hajj, two or three days before Hajj. So can they do Hajj Tamattur? Yes, they can. However, they will not have to offer a sacrifice. Because again, offering a sacrifice for Hajj is for only non-residents, not the residents of Mecca. Okay? However, a resident of Mecca cannot intentionally leave Mecca Okay? Why? So that they can do Hajj Tamattur. And by the residents of Mecca, we'll look at that. Who exactly are the residents of Mecca? So let's look at the hadith. وَقَالَ أَبُوْ كَامِرٍ فُضَيْلُ بْنُ حُسَيْنِ لِلْبَصْرِيُّ حَدَّثَنَا أَبُوْ مَعْشَرْ حَدَّثَنَا عُثْمَانُ بْنُ غِيَاثِ عَنْ عِكْرِمَةَ عَنْ إِبْنِ عَبَّاسٍ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُمَا أنه سئل عن متعة الحج فقال أهل المهاجرون والأنصار وأزواج النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم في حجة الوداع وأهللنا. So Ibn Abbas رضي الله عنه was asked about Hajj Tamattu. So he said that the muhajirun and the ansar and the wives of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم all of them they ahalla meaning they made the intention for Hajj in Hajjatul Wada'a, in the farewell pilgrimage. وَأَهْلَلْنَا We also did that. 
فلما قدمنا مكه when we reached مكه قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم the prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said اجعلوا اهلالكم بالحج عمره الا من قلد الهديه basically that come out of the state of ihram after umrah except for the people who have brought their sacrificial animal فطفنا بالبيت وبالصفا والمروه So he said that we did the tawaf, we did Safa Marwa, wa atayna nisa and basically the marital relations between husband and wife, they continued. وَلَبِسْنَا thiyaba And we wore regular clothing. Basically, we were completely out of the state of ihram. وَقَالَ And he said, مَنْ قَلَّدَ الْهَدِيَ Whoever has brought a sacrificial animal, قَلَّدَ meaning you have put the garland, فَإِنَّهُ لَا يَحِلُّ لَهُ حَتَّى يَبْلُغَ الْهَدِيُ مَحِلَّةِ Then he cannot come out of the state of ihram until the sacrificial animal has reached its place of slaughter, meaning until the time has come to slaughter the animal. ثُمَّ أَمْرَنَا عَشِيَّةَ التَّرْوِيَّةِ أَنْ نُهِلَّ بِالْحَجِّ Then he instructed us on the day of tarwiyah that we do intention for hajj. So on which day? يَوْمُ التَّرْوِيَةِ which is 8th. فَإِذَا فَرَغْنَا مِنَ الْمَنَاسِكِ Then when we were done with all of our rituals of hajj, جِئْنَا فَطُفْنَا بِالْبَيْتِ وَبِالصَّفَا وَالْمَرْوَةِ We came, we did tawaf, this is a tawaf of hajj, and we also did sari between safa marwa, this is also sari of hajj. فَقَدْ تَمَّ حَجُّنَا And our hajj was completed. وَعَلَيْنَا الْهَدْيُ And we had to offer a sacrificial animal. كَمَا قَالَ اللَّهُ تَعَالَى Just as Allah the Exalted has said, فَمَسْتَيْسَرَ مِنَ الْهَدِي Then whatever is easily available of sacrificial animal. So basically, Ibn Abbas anhu was doing hajj tamattur. So he said that we had to offer a sacrificial animal, just as it is stated in the Qur'an. فَمَنْ لَمْ يَجِدْ فَصِيَامُ ثَلَاثَةِ أَيَّامٍ فِي الْحَجِّ وَسَبْعَةٍ إِذَا رَجَعْتُمْ Whoever is not able to offer the animal as sacrifice, Then he has to fast for three days during Hajj and seven on returning home. He explained, إِذَا رَجَعْتُمْ إِلَىٰ أَمْصَارِكُمْ When you have returned, meaning back to your cities, back to your countries. And he explained about the sacrificial animal that أَشَّاتُ تَجْزِي That even a sheep is enough. It doesn't have to be a camel necessarily. It doesn't have to be a huge sacrifice. Even a small one is enough. فَجَمَعُوا نُسُكَيْنِ فِي عَامٍ بَيْنَ الْحَجِّ وَالْعُمْرَةِ So he said that they gathered two, meaning they performed two rituals in one year, meaning hajj and umrah. So basically in one trip, they performed hajj and umrah. فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ تَعَالَىٰ أَنزَلَهُ فِي كِتَابِهِ وَسَنَّهُ نَبِيُّهُ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ So he said that Allah has revealed this in his book, and the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم established this as a sunnah, وَأَبَاحَهُ لِلنَّاسِ غَيْرَ أَهْلِ مَكَّةِ And the Prophet ﷺ made this permissible for people except for the residents of Mecca. Because قَالَ اللَّهُ Because Allah has said that ذَلِكَ لِمَنْ لَمْ يَكُنْ أَهْلُهُ حَاضِرِ الْمَسْجِدِ الْحَرَامِ This is only for the person whose family is not present in Masjid al-Haram. And he said, وَأَشْرُ الْحَجِّ الَّتِي ذَكَرَ اللَّهُ تَعَالَى And the months of Hajj which Allah has mentioned in the Qur'an, They are Shawwal, Wadul Qarda, Wadul Hijjah. فَمَنْ تَمَتَّعَ فِي هَذِهِ الْأَشْهُرِ فَعَلَيْهِ دَمٌ أَوْ صَوْمٌ So whoever does Hajj Tamatur during this time, then he has to give either a dam or Sawm. What is dam? Sacrifice. And if he cannot offer a sacrificial animal, then he can 
fast. And then he explains the wording, uh, some of the words mentioned in the ayah, وَالرَّفَثُ الْجِمَعُ وَالْفُسُقُ وَالْمَعَاصِ وَالْجِدَالُ الْمِرَاءُ So basically in this hadith, what do we see? The summary is that the person who lives in Mecca does not perform Hajj Tamattur. And those who are performing Hajj Tamattur have to offer a sacrificial animal. And in the case where they're not able to offer a sacrificial animal because they cannot find it or because they cannot afford to do so, then they have to keep 10 fasts. All right. How are these 10 fasts supposed to be kept? It's specified in the Quran, three during the days of Hajj. What does it mean by that? That three during the days of Hajj. What do you think? So basically, from the time that a person enters into ihram for umrah until the end of ayamu tashriq. Okay? Ayamu tashriq, this is the 13th. Okay? Inshallah, we'll go over the days step by step, inshallah. But technically, you start hajj, meaning you go to Mina on the 8th, and you're done by the 13th. And if you're doing hajj tamatta, of course, you have arrived in Mecca before the 8th. Right? So, let's say a person crosses the miqat on the first, first of the hijjah. And when they have crossed the miqat, they have put on the ihram for umrah. Can they start fasting from the next day, from the second? Yes, they can. And let's say they're not able to fast at that time. Can they fast on the 11th, 12th, and 13th? Yes, they can. But they have to keep three fasts before the 13th. Okay? Before the 13th. Because the days of Hajj technically end with the 13th. Okay? And in the Quran it is specified that three fasts during the days of Hajj. Alright? And then seven more fasts on returning home. Okay? Those seven fasts cannot be kept during that same trip. While the person is still in Mecca or when they go to Medina, let's say after the Hajj, they have to make those fasts on returning. Yes, good. Yes, because technically that person's hajj has begun once they have crossed the miqat. Okay, because the, this is hajj tamattur. Because they're crossing the miqat, they have put on the ihram for umrah. Right? Why umrah? Because this, this umrah is sort of part of hajj. Because this is hajj tamattur. Alright? So they can start fasting from the time that they uh, cross the miqat. Until the 13th. Because they are still in the state of Hajj. Even though after Umrah they are going to come out of Ihram, they are still in, in, in a state of Hajj. They are not leaving Makkah, they are not going anywhere else. They are staying in Makkah and they are just waiting for the 8th to start their Hajj again. Good question. The days of Minna, basically 11th, 12th and 13th, are technically the days of eating and drinking and the dhikr of Allah. That's what they're supposed to be for. However, if a person is not able to offer sacrifice, then they have to fast. They have to keep those three fasts within the days of Hajj. So this is an exception. So in that case, she can wait even a few days afterwards. Okay. And before leaving Mecca, she can do her tawaf. Exactly. So if she's not able to do her tawaf, then there's basically two options. One is that there is a fatwa that does permit women to do tawaf. Okay, even while they're menstruating. That's only for women who do not see that there'll ever be another opportunity for them to come do Hajj. 
you know, for example, the woman has come from a really far off place. She's left her family. It's, it was really hard for her. And she doesn't see that any time in the future she'll be able to come back for Hajj again. So in that case, she can do tawaf. Or she will just leave it. And her Hajj will not be complete. So inshallah, we'll get to the details of the different types of tawaf and what options there are. Inshallah. Okay? Now, related to this hadith, Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu said that ashatu tajzi, that when it comes to offering sacrifice for hajj tamattur, then he said that even a sheep is enough. So this shows us that when you're going for hajj tamattur, first of all, you have to offer a sacrifice. And secondly, it can be any valid portion. Okay? A valid portion as in remember that there is even a seventh of a cow that you can give Right? Or a seventh of a camel that you can give. Or you can give an entire camel, or you can give five or ten. So basically any valid portion of the sacrifice can be given. Now there's a question. Who exactly are the residents of Makkah? Who do you think they are? Okay. Anybody living within the vicinity of what? Okay, there's a huge difference between Miqat and Haram and Masjid al-Haram. Masjid al-Haram, I mean, does a person have to be living inside the masjid? Hmm? In the vicinity? Okay. Basically, there's a difference of opinion. Some say that this is the people who live in Makkah, regardless of the size of Makkah. Whatever is Makkah is Makkah. Okay, so for example, these days now, Makkah is huge. So whatever is considered Makkah, those people are the residents of Makkah. Some say that it is those who live within the limits of the haram. Within the limits of the haram. Haram as in the area where basically it's, it's Makkah and, and surrounding areas. Where you have the, the, the restrictions of no hunting allowed, no, you know, no person can be killed, no animal can be killed. Alright? You know, it's like when you're driving into Makkah, there is a big sign. There is a big sign that says entering into haram. So those are the limits of haram. Then uh, there's another opinion, which is that these are people who live within the limits of mawaqit. So even some part of Jeddah all right, would be within miqat, which is why a lot of people who live in Jeddah do hajj ifrad. Hmm? And then there are, the, there are other opinions also. Uh, however, the best of them, Sheikh Nur Thaymin says, is, is the first one. All right. In fact, he combines between the first and the second because regardless of the size of Makkah, those who live within the limits of Haram are actually the residents of Masjid al-Haram because they're living within the vicinity. Bab al-Ightisali inda dukhuli Makkata. Now the topics will slightly change. Now it's going to be like we're actually entering Makkah for Umrah, Hajj. So, this is how the abwab will be. So Imam Bukhari says, Al-Iqtisali, uh, taking a bath, عِنْدَ دُخُولِ مَكَّةِ When entering Makkah. Meaning, as a person arrives in Makkah, then what should they do? Before they do tawaf, they do their umrah, what should they do? Take a bath. حَدَّثَنِي يَعْقُوبُ بْنُ إِبْرَاهِيمُ حَدَّثَنَا بْنُ عُلَيَّةَ أَخْبَرَنَا أَيُّوبُ عَنْ نَافِعٍ قَالَ كَانَ بْنُ عُمَرَ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُمَا إِذَا دَخَلَ أَدْنَ الْحَرَمِ أَمْسَكَ عَنِ التَّلْبِيَةِ So Imam Nafi'ah said that whenever Ibn Umar would enter Makkah, then and he would enter Adn al-Haram, 
he would enter the borders of the haram basically he would stop saying the talbiyah thumma yabitu bidituwa and then he would spend the night at a place called dituwa thumma yusalli bihi subha wa yaghtasilu then he would pray the fajr prayer over there and then he would take a ghusl he would take a bath wa yuhaddithu anna nabiyya sallallahu alayhi wa sallam kana yaf'alu dhalik and he said that the prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam would do that so what is the etiquette that when entering Mecca, that, that when a person enters Mecca, whether it is for Umrah or for Hajj, then they should first take a bath before starting their ritual worship. And of course, there is, you know, a wisdom behind this because when you reach Mecca, you have been, you know, traveling for a long time. You've probably been stuck in traffic. You've been sitting in the car or in the plane or stuck at the airport or something like that. So before you go to the Kaaba, then take a bath so that you feel fresh. Otherwise, what happens is that it's difficult to even stand next to people or do tawaf. So don't be a source of discomfort for others. And also don't be a source of discomfort for yourself. That you cannot wait to end your umrah so that you can go and take a bath. So take a bath before starting. And remember that this is mustahab. It's recommended. It's not obligatory. It is recommended, but it is not obligatory. Then, باب دخول مكة نهارا أو ليلا Entering Mecca by day or by night. بات النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم بذي طوى حتى أصبح ثم دخل مكة. When Bukhari says that the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم stayed the night at ذي طوى until morning and then he entered Mecca. وكان ابن عمر رضي الله عنه يفعله and ابن عمر used to do the exact same thing. حدثنا مسدد حدثنا يحيى عن عبيد الله قال حدثني نافع عن ابن عمر رضي الله عنهما قال بات النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم بذي طوى حتى أصبح ثم دخل مكة وكان ابن عمر رضي الله عنهما يفعله So in this hadith we see that the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم would spend the night at ذو طوى and then he would enter مكة in the morning So right at the border of مكة basically he would spend the night And then in the morning, he would enter Makkah. Ibn Umar would do that, and he reported that the Prophet ﷺ did that. Now, why did the Prophet ﷺ do this? This was at Hajjatul Wadar, at farewell pilgrimage. And the Prophet ﷺ made sure that he entered Makkah in the morning. Why? So that people could clearly see what he was doing. Because they had to follow him. Right? If he entered in the night then the people would not be able to see what he was doing. So at another time, when the Prophet ﷺ came for Umrah, he entered Makkah in the night. So it doesn't matter whether you enter in the day or in the night, whatever is easy for a person. Bab min aina yadkhulu Makkata? Where to enter Makkah from? حدثنا إبراهيم بن المنذر قال حدثني معن قال حدثني مالك عن نافع عن ابن عمر رضي الله عنهما قال كان رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يدخل من الثنية العليا ويخرج من الثنية السفلى He said that the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم entered Mecca from the higher route and left from the lower route. So basically he came one way and he exited the other way. Why? Why do you think he came one way and left the other way? What are the other times when the Prophet ﷺ would do this? Especially at Eid, right? So what's the benefit of doing this? Okay, good. That different places that you witness in your journey 
of worshipping Allah, then those places will be a witness for you. Okay? Any other benefit? Okay? If you go one way and you continue going and you leave the other way, then it doesn't create congestion. Alright? He's coming in one way and going out the other way. And there's also a, another benefit in this that when you change your route, you get to see different places and you get to meet different people. So when the Prophet ﷺ did this, he was able to meet different people, greet different people, and different people were able to benefit from him. And this is something that we can also do, that inshallah when you go to Makkah, try to enter the city in one way and exit through another highway. Yes, go ahead. I mean, after prophethood, I mean, especially from Medina when he traveled to Makkah, he traveled either for Umrah or he traveled for Hajj. And he traveled also for the conquest. Of course, the question is that when you go for Umrah, do you have to do Umrah immediately or can you do it the following day? You can easily do it the following day. You get there in the night, sleep well, rest well, and then the next day when you're feeling fresh, then you go and do Umrah. It's perfectly fine. But you have to observe the restrictions of Ihram. That's the only thing. And in fact, it's actually good that when you reach Makkah first, you rest. You get some sleep, you eat, because you know, you're know you tired from the whole journey. right? So if you are going to do Umrah in that state of exhaustion, you're not going to be able to focus on the worship. And you have gone all the way to worship. So if you are doing it while you're exhausted, then it defeats the purpose. باب من أين يخرج من مكة Where to leave مكة from? حدثنا مسدد بن مسرهد البصري حدثنا يحيى عن عبيد الله عن نافع عن ابن عمر رضي الله عنهما أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم دخل مكة من كداء من الثنية العليا التي بالبطحاء So Ibn Umar reported that the Prophet ﷺ entered Mecca from Kada by the higher route which is at Al-Batha and ويخرج من الثنية السفلى and he left by the lower route قال أبو عبد الله كان يقال هو مسدد كاسمه Imam Bukhari writes about or he says about uh, Musaddad the narrator that he is like his name okay because Musaddad is that which is upright and correct and straight so he said he is like his name meaning when it comes to his hadith it is accurate قال أبو عبد الله سمعت يحيى بن معين يقول سمعت يحيى بن سعيد يقول لو أن مسددا أتيته في بيته فحدثته لاستحق ذلك وما أبالي كتبي كانت عندي أو عند مسدد Basically, Imam Bukhari is saying something about the reliability of his teacher, Musaddad. حدثنا الحميدي ومحمد بن المثنى قال حدثنا سفيان بن عيينة عن هشام بن عروة عن أبيه عن عائشة رضي الله عنها أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم لما جاء إلى مكة دخل من أعلاها وخرج من أسفلها عائشة رضي الله عنها reported the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم when he came to Mecca he entered from the higher part and left from the lower part حدثنا محمود بن غيلان المروزي حدثنا أبو أسامة حدثنا هشام بن عروة عن أبيه عن عائشة رضي الله عنها أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم دخل عام الفتح من كداء وخرج من كدا من أعلى مكة That in the year of the conquest the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم entered from a place called كدا and he left from a place called كدا حدثنا أحمد حدثنا ابن وهب أخبرنا عمر عن هشام بن عروة عن أبيه عن عائشة رضي الله عنها أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم دخل عام الفتح من كداء أعلى مكة قال هشام وكان عروة يدخل على كلتيهما من كداء وكدا
وأكثر ما يدخل من كداء وكانت أقربهما إلى منزله So same hadith Hisham said that Urwa used to enter by both Kada and Kuda and he often entered by Kada which was nearer to his home حدثنا عبد الله بن عبد الوهاب حدثنا حاتم عن هشام عن عروة دخل نبي صلى الله عليه وسلم عام الفتح من كداء من أعلى مكة وكان عروة أكثر ما يدخل من كداء وكان أقربهما إلى منزله حدثنا موسى حدثنا بوهيب حدثنا هشام عن أبيه دخل نبي صلى الله عليه وسلم عام الفتح من كداء وكان عروة يدخل منهما كليهما وأكثر ما يدخل من كداء أقربهما إلى منزله So all of these ahadiths basically show that it's better to enter Mecca from this place which is mentioned, which is Kada. And this is for people who are entering for Hajj, for Umrah, or for any other reason. Next, inshallah, is going to be about the virtues of Mecca, the excellence of Mecca and its buildings. باب فضل مكة وبنيانها Excellence of Mecca and its buildings Of course, which building is in Mecca? It is the Kaaba وقوله تعالى And the statement of Allah the Exalted وَإِذْ جَعَلْنَا الْبَيْتَ مَثَابَةً لِلنَّاسِ وَأَمْنًا And when we made the house, meaning the Kaaba as a mathaba for the people and a place of security Mathaba is a place of return meaning a place where you return over and over again. And this is how the Kaaba is, that a person does not feel satisfied by visiting it just once in their lifetime. It's a place where you want to go back to over and over again. And this place is also a place of aman, meaning security. وَاتَّخِذُوا مِن مَقَامِ إِبْرَاهِيمَ مُصَلَّى and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commands us that you all should take the standing place of Ibrahim as a place of prayer. What is the Maqam Ibrahim? Maqam Ibrahim is the stone where Ibrahim stood in order to build the Kaaba. And his footprints are still there. So take that place as a place of prayer. Meaning this is something we do that after performing tawaf, especially in Umrah, then a person should pray two rakat by the Maqam Ibrahim. And of course, because of the crowds, it's not possible to pray right next to Maqam Ibrahim. Then at least in that area, farther away, a person can perform salah over there. وَعَهِدْنَا إِلَىٰ إِبْرَاهِيمَ وَإِسْمَعِيلَ أَنْ طَهِرَ بَيْتِيَ لِلطَّائِفِينَ وَالْعَاكِفِينَ وَالْرُكَّعِ السُّجُودِ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that we commanded Ibrahim and Ismail that both of you should clean my house. For who? For the people who come and do tawaf. For the people who do i'tikaf, for the people who do rukur over there, and also for the people who do sajda over there. Meaning, for the worshippers, the house of Allah should be clean. And the cleanliness over here is both spiritual and also physical. Immaterial as well as material. Spiritual in the sense that there should be no idolatry there. And secondly, that there should be no filth over there because the presence of filth makes it difficult for people to focus on worship. And then four types of worshippers are mentioned. Those who are doing tawaf. And notice that this is the first one that's mentioned. Why? Because the best worship that you can perform at the Kaaba is tawaf. Why? Because the Kaaba is the only place where you can do tawaf. You can do irtikaf in any masjid. 
You can perform prayer anywhere, but when it comes to tawaf, you can only do it around the Kaaba. So ta'ifin are mentioned first because they are doing what is most virtuous at the Kaaba. And then akifin irtikaf. So this shows that irtikaf can also be done at Masjidul Haram, and it should be done. And there are, mashallah, many people who do irtikaf over there. وَالرُّكَّعِ sujood And the people who go and pray salah over there, performing rukur and performing sajda. وَإِذْ قَالَ إِبْرَاهِيمُ And recall when Ibrahim said, رَبِّ جَعَلْ هَذَا بَلَدًا آمِنًا Ibrahim alayhis dua is mentioned over here, where he prayed that, O oh my Lord, make this house, make this, this city secure. Ibrahim alayhis prayed for the security, for the safety of Makkah. Why? Because wherever you feel afraid, you don't want to go there. I, for example, people have this fear that certain countries are not safe. So even if they have to go to visit family, they don't want to go. And the people who live in those countries feel completely fine. But for the visitors, it's really scary. Right? So Ibrahim prayed for the security, for the aman of Makkah. And he said, وَرْزُقْ أَهْلَهُ مِنَ الثَّمَرَاتِ And provide its inhabitants with fruits. Because when he built the Kaaba, Makkah was, I mean, it was barren, empty, nothing, nobody was there. So he prayed for the provision of the inhabitants of Makkah, for the people who come in, worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala over there. Because of course, if you have food, you're fine. You can stay. But if you don't have food, you're not going to stay in a place for long. And he specified that provide this fruit to who? مَنْ آمَنَ مِنْهُمْ بِاللَّهِ وَالْيَوْمِ الْآخِرِ Only to those people who believe in Allah and the last day. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, قَالَ وَمَنْ كَفَرَ فَأُمَتِّعُهُ قَلِيلًا Whoever disbelieves, I will give him a little benefit, meaning in the world, I will not deprive him of food and drink. ثُمَّ أَضْطَرُّهُ إِلَىٰ عَذَابِ النَّارِ وَبِئْسَ الْمَصِيرِ then I will compel him to the punishment of the fire and what a terrible destination it is. So Ibrahim salam prayed that the blessings of this world only be given to the people who believe. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made it clear that the benefits of this world are for all people. However, for those who disbelieve, there is punishment later. وَإِذْ يَرْفَعُ إِبْرَاهِيمُ الْقَوَاعِدَ مِنَ الْبَيْتِ وَإِسْمَعِيلِ And when Ibrahim salam was raising the foundations of the house and Ismail also was doing it with him. So both father and son were together building the Kaaba. And they started the construction of the Kaaba from the foundations. And remember that these foundations were already there because Ibrahim was not the first one to build the Kaaba. We learned that first it was the angels, then Adam and then so on and so forth. And when he was building the Kaaba, both of them were making dua that Rabbana taqabbal minna, O our Lord, accept this from us. Imagine they're building the Kaaba and they're asking Allah to accept that deed from them. They didn't take it for, you know, they didn't just think that it was of course going to be accepted. They still had this fear and they're asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that please accept this from us. Innaka anta samirul alim, indeed you are the hearing, meaning you have heard our dua and you are knowing, you know our effort and our condition. And then they made dua, رَبَّنَا وَجَعَلْنَا مُسْلِمَيْنِ لَكَ Our Lord, make us those who submit to you, وَمِنْ ذُرِّيَّتِنَا And also from our children, make ummatan مُسْلِمَةً لك. Make an entire nation that surrenders to you. Make us those who surrender to you and make our 
offspring also surrender to you. Wa arina manasikana and show us our rituals. Wa tub alayna and turn in mercy upon us. Inna ka anta tawabur rahim. Indeed, you alone are a tawab, the acceptor of repentance, al rahim, the merciful. So over here we see that Ibrahim a.s. made dua that arina manasikana, show us our manasik. Now manasik can mean two things. First of all, it can refer to the rituals of worship. And secondly, it can refer to the places of worship. The places of worship. So what we are supposed to do. And secondly, where we are supposed to worship. So arina manasikana. So for example, yes, the Kaaba is there, but then there is supposed to be tawaf around the Kaaba. So that is a ritual. And then the sari between Safa and Marwa, that is another place. And then there is also a ritual associated to that place. Then Mina is a place. And then there is a ritual associated to that place. Arafah, Muzdalifa, these are all places. But then there is also rituals associated to these places. So he asked for both. To show us the places and also the rituals. And show us, meaning teach us so well as though we can see them. Arina manasikana. So over here, Imam Bukhari brings these verses first of all to show us the virtues of Makkah. That how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes in detail in the Quran about how the Kaaba was constructed, who constructed it, how Ibrahim constructed it, and the du'as that he made. So all of that shows us the virtues of Makkah. Remember that the Kaaba is the house of Allah. It's called the house of Allah as an honor in order to honor that building. فَلْيَعْبُدُوا رَبَّ هَذَا الْبَيْتِ As Allah says. And the Kaaba is also a mubarak, a blessed place, a place of barakah, a place of abundant good, endless benefit. And it's also the most beloved part of the earth. The Prophet ﷺ, he said this facing Makkah, that wallahi innaki la khayru ardillahi wa ahabbu ardillahi ila Allahi azza wa jalla that you are the best and the most beloved part of the earth to Allah the exalted so that is the virtue of makkah that it's the best and the most beloved part of the earth to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and remember that uh, the kaaba which is in makkah is also the first place of worship that was built for people and it's a qibla for all of us. And uh, the person who goes there is also in Allah's protection. So let's look at the hadith that Imam Bukhari brings over here. حدثنا عبد الله بن محمد حدثنا أبو عاصم قال أخبرني ابن جريج قال أخبرني عمرو بن دينار قال سمعت جابر بن عبد الله رضي الله عنهما قال لما بنيت الكعبة ذهب النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم وعباس ينقلان الحجارة he said that when the Kaaba was being built, the Prophet ﷺ and Abbas, his uncle, both of them went to bring the stones. Why? To build the Kaaba with. فَقَالَ الْعَبَّاسُ لِلنَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ So Abbas who said to the Prophet ﷺ that اِجْعَلْ إِزَارَكَ عَلَى رَقَبَتِكَ Put your waist sheet on your shoulder, on your neck. فَخَرَّ إِلَى الْأَرْضِ so when the Prophet ﷺ did that, he fell to the earth, meaning he fainted. وَطَمَحَتْ عَيْنَاهُ إِلَى السَّمَاءِ And his eyes were just looking up, staring at the sky. 
فَقَالَ أَرِنِي إِزَارِي And he said, give me my waist wrapper. فَشَدَّهُ عَلَيْهِ And he tied himself with it, meaning he covered himself with it. This incident happened five years before prophethood. Okay, the Prophet ﷺ was 35 years old at this time. And this is the time when the Quraysh were reconstructing, they were rebuilding the Kaaba. Why were they rebuilding the Kaaba? Because it had been basically over the years because of the flooding. And also there had been a fire. The Kaaba had become basically partially destroyed. And because remember that Kaaba is in a valley, whenever it rained, the water would collect over there. And so basically the Kaaba was, it had to be reconstructed. And every time what they would do is that they would just try to fix a part of it. And sometimes what, what happens is that you have to demolish a building and reconstruct it, right? So the Kaaba had reached such a state that they had to now demolish it and reconstruct it. And the people of Makkah, the Quraysh, were afraid to do that. So one of the men, Walid bin Mughira, he started the demolition and the rest of the people also helped. The Prophet ﷺ, because he was from the Quraysh, he helped with the reconstruction. And Abbas radiallahu anhu, his uncle, was also helping with that. So both of them were bringing the stones. And of course, when you're carrying heavy stones on your neck, your skin is going to get scraped and it would be difficult for you to keep those stones in place. So the Prophet ﷺ only had a waist strapper with him at the time. And the people did not really feel shy of being exposed. So Abbas radiallahu anhu told him, just put your waist strapper on your shoulder. And the Prophet ﷺ did that, but because he was fully exposed, he was so shy that he fainted. And this shows us, first of all, the shyness of the Prophet ﷺ. And Imam Bukhari brings this hadith over here to show us the virtues of the Kaaba, that yes, Ibrahim ﷺ rebuilt it, Ismail ﷺ rebuilt it, and the Prophet ﷺ also rebuilt it. And yes, it was before prophethood, but of course... Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose him for this work. And this is also the occasion where people disputed about who should put the black stone in place. right? And they decided that whoever walks in next will give the verdict. And the Prophet ﷺ came and everybody was willing to accept his decision. And the Prophet ﷺ basically took a sheet and they put the black stone in it. And all the chiefs basically carried that sheet all the way to the place where the Hajar had to be placed and the Prophet ﷺ installed it. So this incident happened five years before prophethood. So inshallah we'll have to stop over here. Okay, subhanakallahum wa bihamdik, ashadu an la ilaha illa anta, astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu.